I'm Janice Connolly, the Artistic Director of Women in Theatre, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to the Women in Theatre podcast. In this series, we present monologues from our Women and Work trilogy. Developed from conversations with women of different ages and backgrounds, these pieces we hope respect and celebrate individual human stories about women's working lives. You're About to Hear Sorry, written by Susie Sillett and performed by Phoebe Brown. This monologue was part of our show Starting Out that explored the reality of five young women entering the world of work in 2016. We recommend you listen to all Starting Out podcasts and then when you've heard them all, there's a discussion episode afterwards where I'm talking to four young women today in 2020 looking for work. We really hope you enjoy. It's 2.24 and... I'm stood in a supermarket holding a can of chickpeas and I'm a little convinced that everyone's looking at me wondering what I'm doing here at 2.24 on a Tuesday and not at work and it's my day off so stop looking, carry on. And I'm thinking, should I get a branded premium hand chickpea can or two budget, on offer, unheard of label cans and put one in the food bank bin at the front of the shop. Which would mean I'd have to double back around. And it's probably not fair trade, so it might be flavoured with fruity hints of slave labour. But a big name and a big price doesn't guarantee the money's going where it should. And I tried to have a lion this morning. <laughs> I lay there on my side, staring at the slow light through the curtain, unblinking, body exhausted, mind buzzing, hair knotted, and I thought, oh, yeah, bliss. This is the life. And I wondered how many people my paramedic cousin saved overnight, and... How far women have to walk with water jugs on their heads from the well in that country I read about five years ago. And I wondered how late I'd have to stay in bed to justify writing a cheery emoji-laden status about it. And how many people would comment, all right for some. (laughs) And how many replies that would generate between team, she deserves it after the hours she puts in. And team, we didn't get to sleep in at the workhouse. At 8.15, I gave up and had breakfast and a shower and put on full work makeup. Because what if someone knocks on the door with a questionnaire about trams being the new canals? Or a flyer for another noodle bar? And I check my emails and my phone and my newsfeed and my Twitter feed and I reply in text and like and retweet until lunchtime. When my mum calls and asks if I could make dinner tonight as she's got to cover an after-school club. So I decide to make my famous veggie special chickpea curry. I get changed into something supermarket friendly, in case I bump into anyone I might know. Oh, and I remind myself to check if the flats my boyfriend and I are looking at this weekend come with a washing machine. And I think leaving home again at 24 is okay. That's respectable, right? Because I could be 25. Or 26. Or 29. I could be 29. But I'm leaving home now, okay? I'm being an adult 
Now, I'm doing it. Mm. Okay, I still put adult in quotation marks, but I think that'll fade. And my friend sends me a gif of a turtle playing with a puppy. (laughs) And I smile. And I send her one of a baby hugging a duckling. And I'm just about almost happy with where I've got up to at this stage in my life calendar. Nearly everyone I know moved back home when they finished uni. I even had a plan. A full plan of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it. I was ahead of half. But I knew I'd have to apply for internships in the Midlands area because I'd have to do some unpaid work if I was going to make it in the fundraising sector with the big ones like cancer research. So I'd have to live back home. And didn't they... In the old days, the older days, didn't women live with their parents until they were married? Or if they were married? And didn't they then live with their husband's parents or something? And my mum's mum supported my parents for a year when they had no income. And I know some people, some really go-for-it people who've done the London thing and they're there in it and... Sometimes I wish I could be in it, in there. But if I want to get on the housing ladder, and I don't want to risk everything and end up priced out and back home anyway at 29, if that's what my plan is, then I'm glad to be here where I grew up, with my roots firmly in the ground. I decide to just get the one thing because my mum will say she can taste the difference, and I'll put a quid in the hat of a busker or one of those Labrador dog things instead. I go home and it's 3.07 and I have plans to spend some real quality time with my Netflix account and catch up on the 20 shows I've been told I must see or I'll die. And I want to be culturally present. And none of my friends will be free at 3.07 on a Tuesday. Even the ones on Job Seekers will probably be at an interview or writing another application or killed up crying uncontrollably. (laughs) So I squeeze into my own company, along with the cast and crew of Orange is the New Black. I pause it and flick onto another tab because of a notification update message. And it's Becky. And she's really sorry because she knows it's my day half, but... Could I please go over these evaluation forms because they need to send them off tomorrow? And I could say no, but I can't say no because I want to go into management and I'm still young and I still need to prove my place there as one among many. I mean, it's okay for now because most of the people I work with are women, but once you hit management... The estrogen levels drop to below zero, so I need to keep showing them that I'm tough and strong and will do anything they ask. Even if they don't ever find out. Because what if the one time I say no is the time they find out? I was lucky to get this job. And I know that, and I'm grateful for it every day because I've been going from one unpaid job to another... At one point, I even found myself being interviewed for an unpaid internship by unpaid interns. Just waiting to get past that unspoken, 
unwritten shifting bar of experience that would take me up a level above that threshold of evolution, transforming me into the final fantastical Pokemon beast like Employmatron. <sighs> they were offering it as a short-term fixed six-month position, which put off more experienced applicants, even though it was just because the company was due a restructure. And when that time came, they re-interviewed all the positions and... By then, they already knew me and knew that I could do it and I was in. I've made it. It only took one year of work experience and 17 years of full-time education. Sometimes it makes me dizzy to think how those two things were given equal weighting. If anything, the work experience counted more. They never even asked me what I got in my arts. I spent most of the interview talking about my extracurriculars. The things I did outside of lectures, the actual, practical, hands-on, team-based activities, because you don't really work alone <laughs> in isolation when you're in a workspace. You have to get on with other people. You have to listen, to bounce ideas back and forth. No one says, OK, you have 90 minutes, phone's off, no talking, ready, steady, you may now turn over your paper. Oh, now Mum's home and I haven't even started on the curry. I race downstairs and grab some onions and spices to prepare the base. She slags off the headmaster and I nod knowingly. She's been the deputy for 13 years now and he's only just been promoted, so they're still negotiating the power dynamic. She's never fancied being had. She loves teaching too much and she won't be able to fit it all in. She barely can as it is. I wouldn't want to be top of the chain either. I prefer being second in command, sub, vice, junior. There's less pressure. People shoot the sheriff, but they do not shoot the deputy. <laughs> I like leading, I do. I like taking things on, delegating, helping, nurturing, communicating, protecting, and making sure everyone's feeling okay and safe and confident. But I wouldn't want a big title looming over me. When I worked at a bar restaurant outside term time, I always ended up taking on more jobs, more responsibilities, until eventually they made me a supervisor. I didn't want the promotion, but me not wanting to cause a fuss, I took it. They said they'd give me more money. They specified an amount, and I was happy with it, so I said, yeah, because, well, I was doing the job anyway. Didn't get a written contract or anything. It was all verbal. It was a big responsibility and I never felt like I could insist on clocking off because there was this other guy who kept his hours strict and everyone complained about him when he wasn't around and his work ethic. So I just kept on until I was working 60-hour weeks with no overtime and sleeping through the day and not getting a chance to spend any of the money I was earning. So I didn't notice what my play slips were. And one day, my dad woke me up because I'd parked in front of his car without realising and he needed to get out. So I slipped on my slippers, I got in my car and released the handbrake and I rolled straight into the car in front. 
it was such a mess. And my dad just took me aside and went, you're not doing this anymore. And it shouldn't have taken him saying that for me to realise that what I was doing wasn't okay. But it's hard when you say you're not coming in on a morning because you're due a break and they ask you why, what are you doing? And you have to say nothing and you look like such a lazy prick. But to make matters worse, <laughs> when I started doing fewer hours, I noticed a bigger pinch in my finances than I was expecting. Which is when I found out they were only giving me £6 an hour for a supervisor job. <laughs> I was being paid less than people I was supervising. Turns out, because I was under 21, the rate was lower than they first offered. They didn't feel like they needed to tell me that, I guess. I asked for a back payment of what they owed me, but he said that because I was leaving them, they didn't owe me anything. My dad wanted me to go to a small claims court with it, but I, I didn't want all that. It was his word against mine. All I said to him in the end was that he'd done me a wrong. He'd done me a wrong and I think he knows that. I managed to get the dinner together in time. <laughs> it's not my best go of it, but it'll do. Dad gets home and we set the table together and eat. Oh, I'd forgotten to add soul. But they tell me it's nice anyway. <laughs> then Mum gets to marking, Dad washes up. And I head back to my room to finish up these reports. I'm pretty sure I'll get them done before bed. I'm being paid quite well now, actually. I even get a car allowance, which is generous. And, OK, maybe sometimes I work more than is technically... officially legal, sometimes, but... we all have to pull our weight, and... When there are doctors out there and nurses and people really making a difference, I mean, how do you catch up with that? How do you complain? How can you begrudge even a second of extra work when you've got that to compare yourself with? It was different when we were at school, when we were measured with the same stick, but once you're out, your value's tied to something of your own making. You have to make sure you'll survive scrutiny. That your life means something. We, my, our generation, we're socially conscious. We're statistically more concerned. We want to change things for the better. You may not believe that, but we want to give back. We want to give. We want to give and give. We read Harry Potter. We want that big, grand self-sacrifice, that moment of nobility, humility, honour, selfless, self-denial, martyrdom. We want to be Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, Batwoman, Catwoman, Jessica Jones, 50 foot high, up, up in the sky, saviour, hero, witch. We don't want you to think for a second we're not giving 110%. Like, giving you a mathematical impossibility of ourselves. A, a number invented for us. 
which is why we'll work illegal hours for you at illegal pay or no pay at all. We want fulfilment more than money. We're the opposite of how we're painted. We're made to appear selfish, shallow, impatient. Oh, what are the fucking millennials complaining about now? Didn't we give them everything? Didn't we hand it to them on a bloody plate? We worked hard so they could work harder. Suck it up, take it, take it, fucking take it. And one day you'll thank us for cutting your arms and legs off. We worked hard so you could work harder. Finish your chores and you can go to the ball. But don't forget to scrub and clean and dust and mop and give the B-Day another round of disinfectant. Take the first offer that comes along, even if it's Gaston and he's an abusive with big muscles. And no, throw away your books. Learn only if it leads to direct. Touch the spindle. Prick your finger when you're 16 and sleep for 100. Flee into the woods when mirrors tell us you're fairer and we try to cut out your heart and eat it. You're a filthy, good-for-nothing street rat. Not a diamond in the rough, honestly. <laughs> You've all been told how special and wonderful and precious you are and now you're having to learn how the real world is and it's not a Disney fairy tale. Not if we can help it! Only... Only I... Well... I don't have to learn how the real world is. No. Do I? No. Not first-hand. I see it in the papers, on the TV, shared and blogged and whatever else. I see the real struggles, the real hardship. You read about it and you want to help to do something, but... <laughs> Look at me. Sitting at home on a cushy bed with a laptop. <laughs> a laptop. And walls around me and no bombs and no one coming to take me away or make me do anything. Or, or And what am I complaining about? I'm one of the lucky ones. <laughs> I have a job. In what I want, I have. I'm not down a mine or working in a field. or. And there are people my age stuck in dead-end, low-skill jobs. They can't get out. They can't get a leg up. They're facing all the prejudices, social mobility. and I, I went to university. I mean... So, okay, maybe my generation will be one of the first to have it worse than our parents. But we have it better than their parents, though. So, people have it worse. There are people, they have it worse. I should just take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Sorry. Oh, I shouldn't have said anything. Sorry. 
can we start again tomorrow? I'm just tired and I'm not thinking. Sorry. for listening we hope you enjoyed this podcast if you know someone who would benefit and enjoy listening why not share it with them also rating and reviewing the podcast will help us find more listeners sorry was written by Susie Sillett and performed by Phoebe Brown it was directed by Joe Gleave and sound design was by Sam Frankie Fox and the podcast was recorded at Brum Podcast Studios the Women in Theatre podcast is funded by Arts Council England the Sir Barry Jackson Trust the Feeney Trust the Cole Charitable Trust and the space. It was originally part of the stage production Starting Out, produced in association with Birmingham Repertory Theatre. This is a free podcast from Women in Theatre. We're a charity, and if you'd like to support the work we do, you can make a donation by visiting our website, womenintheatre.co.uk forward slash supporters. <laughs> <laughs>